scripture from Acts chapter 9. I should have let my wife preach today because she covered most of my bases. Philippians chapter 3 and Acts chapter 9. As you're turning there and as uh, they're getting it up on the screen, it's probably going to be King James Version uh, today. Um, uh, This coming Wednesday, we're mixing things up a little bit. This coming Wednesday is split session, so prayer in the sanctuary from 7 to 7.30. Our men and women, our young people, will be splitting off at 7.30 and we'll be having our small group uh, meetings at 7.30. And then a week from Wednesday, because of spring break, we started doing this about three years ago. We won't have service on that Wednesday night. Chain breakers will still be meeting, but we won't be having service on uh, the Wednesday from a week from this coming Wednesday. Um, and then also because of the sickness in our family, we're postponing our next steps class today. Uh, we're going to meet, we'll let you know as soon as possible once we look at our calendar uh, because we've got some things coming up and we want to get back into that. But uh, we've got to get home. As you can see, Declan's not with us today. Came home last night very sick. And so uh, Trish is communicating via phone and we're just checking on him. And so we're going to try to get home as quick as we can to him this afternoon. Praise God. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 says, I press. Everybody say press. I press toward the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I press. <clears throat> I found that an interesting uh, statement of, uh, of the apostle. I press. I push. That's what I always thought. I just fight against whatever it is because I'm going to get to the prize. And that's partly true. But until I recognized that the word in the Greek in press is the same word that's found in Acts chapter 9, verse 5. Paul is actually reiterating what Jesus said to him at his conversion experience. When the light shone down on on the apostle Paul, his name was Saul at the time, and he went crashing to his knees and was blinded by God, the Lord spoke out of heaven and he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And when I understood or when I saw, it was right this morning, when I saw that the word for press and the word for persecuted in scripture is the exact same Greek word, I understood now what Paul was saying in Philippians chapter 3. He was not just speaking out of turn. It wasn't just another thought process. What he was trying to tell the Philippian church was that I am now going to serve God as much if not more than I served against him. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Jesus could have said, it was the same Greek word, Saul, Saul, why presseth thou me? Why are you pushing against me? Why are you fighting against me? Why are you fighting against my church? Remember, Saul was the man that went around uh, uh, putting into prison, uh, killing, stoning uh, Stephen, and, and allowing the death of the church that was born in Acts chapter 2 to be dispersed because of his actions, and he fought against God. Here's what I know because of reading what Paul wrote. He was doing that because he thought that he was doing the will of God. 
And he was so intense on doing the will of God that this upstart church, this upstart group of people, these fishermen and tax collectors, those guys that were trying to start this thing were coming against the true living thing of God because that's the way Paul was raised as a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was raised in in the house of Benjamin. He understood what it was like to go to church and to hear things and to know things. And so he was fighting against what he thought was anti-God. And he was passionate about it. He went from town to town, putting them in prison, causing all kinds of mess for the church people of that day and that age until he was on the road to Damascus. And a voice shone down, or a light shone down from heaven and a voice came out of heaven And he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Paul's only response could have been what you and I, who are you, Lord? He was not identifying the voice as his Lord at that time. He was identifying him as a master, as a teacher. He did not know who Jesus was in that regard yet. He knew of the man Jesus. He did not know of the Messiah Jesus. And he's trying, he's trying to get some attention. He's saying, who are you speaking to me? And the Lord responds, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. I am Jesus who you are pressing. So years down the road, he sees the Philippian church getting a little cold. He sees the Philippian church kind of getting off the rails a little bit. And he writes to them and he says this, I press, I will be so zealous I will be so in tune. I will come against anything that stops me or tries to stop me. I am going to get to the place that God has intended in me. I am going to press. I am going to work as hard for God as I worked for against God. In my passion before my conversion, I'm going to be just as passionate, if not more passionate after my conversion. After I have transformed, after I have changed, I am going to press. Same words. I don't know why the translators changed it from persecute to press. I I have no idea, but it's the same Greek word and all you college students can look that up. I press, I persecute, I'm so, I'm, I'm going to get there. No matter what it takes, I'm gonna get there. My wife did not know what I was preaching today. And uh, Elaine is going to put a picture up on the screen. And uh, because here's what I believe the Lord spoke to me late, late, late last night. While February was a month of freedom, and Trisha totally encapsulated what the freedom was, it wasn't just that party atmosphere. It was God was starting to take some things, rearrange some things. And I believe that March is going to be a month leading to the breakthrough that we have desired as individuals, as families, and as a church. There is a breakthrough getting ready to happen in this house, in this region, in this atmosphere. 
There has been a pressing. There has been a pushing. There has been, a, there, there has been something that's happened that has changed even within our, not sinner to saint, but just a conversion of mental uh, a conversion of seeing things and then doing things. But here's what God spoke to me last night as I was preparing for today. And, and, and I came up with these three pictures and we're gonna address them here in just a minute. And the title of this message is simply this. Isolation always comes before presentation. Isolation always comes before presentation. God will lead you to a place of isolation, not to leave you alone, but to prepare you for the presentation. And some of us have gotten caught And we think that we're out of sorts and that we're out of the will of God because we have entered a season of isolation. It's not a place where you're out of sorts. God has not given up on you. God has not left you alone for that reason. He has put you in a place so that he can prepare you to present you to the situation that he's calling you to. Listen, until you get isolated, you cannot be presented. And so there's three pictures up here and I want to share some of these things because these are the things that began to happen. The first one is, is Noah's Ark as, as well as I could find on the internet. They took a picture way back when when he created it, I guess. But that's Noah's Ark. Obviously, the next one is a baby in a womb and the and next one, whether you recognize it or not, it's a cocoon. And, and listen, when I looked at these things, the presence of God started just messing with me. All of these are wonderful transformations of God, but they did not happen until they were isolated by God. Noah's Ark, we talked about it Wednesday. I preached on it Wednesday. I preached on the provision of the ark that when God wants to supply your needs, sometimes he puts you to work. Sometimes he tells you to build an ark because he's preparing you for what you're going to need. We just want him to do all the work. We just want him to drop the ark in place and say, jump on in. But sometimes God doesn't do that. He says, I'm gonna meet your need, but I want you to build something to get there. But I want you to notice Now, I know that the Bible says there were eight souls, so he wasn't totally alone. But can I just tell you, I would guarantee you that Noah felt alone. He's building this ark, and his kids are there to help him. I do have to give it to his three boys. Ham, Shem, and Japheth, because they built the ark based on the word of a father. At least Noah had the word of God. Let that sink in. How often don't we do because it's a human that's telling us to do it? Let that marinate for a few days. Noah! I'm sure, felt all alone. And God was putting him 
into an isolation chamber called the ark. And I know that there were animals there and I know that, but can you imagine, I, I, I shouldn't say this because it sounds bad, but I cannot imagine the four of us getting into one room for a minimum of a couple of weeks. We would be at each other's throats. And you're laughing because you know it's your way in your family. Listen, there's sometimes the boys just have to go find a room. There's sometimes we just need to get in a car and drive. Noah didn't have that opportunity. He was being isolated in a situation that was less than desirable. I don't know about you, but kitty litter wasn't invented then. I don't know about you, but there there was an 18-inch window around the top. That was the only ventilation for the ark. It was probably sitting there with my head out that window the whole time. Yeah, give me some air. Because I'm claustrophobic. Can you imagine having to do... He was put into an isolation chamber called the ark because it was the isolation chamber that was going to make a way for him to escape the judgment of God. Listen, don't penalize, don't downspeak, don't get it all in up, uproar because you're put into an isolation chamber and you feel like you're all alone because what it is, is God is getting ready to present you to the new, instru- a new uh, situation, a, a new world because when the ark settled on Mount Ararat and God opened the door because Noah couldn't open the door on his own, when God opened the door, God then presented all of those animals and that family that came out of the ark and was presented to a brand new opportunity and the first thing that Noah did, the Bible says, is that he built an altar. Brings me to, we'll skip the baby right now, we'll go to the the caterpillar. That's an interesting thing. And it makes no sense to me. How does something that moves that slow that can't hardly move its little bitty little legs become a butterfly that flitters all around. I can't explain that. Now, I know there's some scientists that can probably break down the genetic code of of all of that, that what happens, but here's, let me just put it to you in my terms, layman's terms. The thing that we let crawl around our fingers found a place to create an isolation chamber so that God could transform them. And then God breaks them out. (laughs) Do you understand? I don't know if I I did a little bit of of research on, 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 did you know that a caterpillar sheds its own skin and the little furry things and, and that's part of the cocoon so that it protects itself? It sheds its, it lets it, what he was is allowed to be taken off to isolate him and protect him so that he can become or she can become a beautiful butterfly. And I'm sorry, but I have found some of those things sitting around and those little weak wings of a butterfly can't break out of there. God's got to break that cocoon open. God's got to allow it to happen. 
you, you've got to understand that caterpillar is, re, is, is, is allowing himself to get all by himself, trusting the process that God created to become the beauty that God intended. But the, the caterpillar would never become the butterfly if the caterpillar never got isolated. I feel all alone in this thing, God. There's nobody that cares. There's nobody that loves me. Everybody hates me. Whatever that, yeah, that's the one. He's got daughters. Nobody likes me. I'm all alone. God, I can't even feel you. I come and I sit in church and I just feel like it's all me. Can I tell you something? Do not be dismayed. Get ready. Because God is going to present you as a brand new being. The month of February was a month of freedom and, and Trish was absolutely right. It was the freedom to take and change our mentalities and our perspectives and who we are and what were we doing? Well, here's what we were doing. We were creating a cocoon. Our freedom was letting us isolate ourselves. Why? Not my will, but thy will. That's hard. God, I don't want to live in the gray areas Either get me to the cold areas where you can work on me or get me to the hot areas where you can use me. God, I want the freedom from guilt. Or some of you remember in the messages? I want freedom from Don't let guilt surround me, God, but let me get wrapped up in the conviction of who you are and draw me closer to you. God, give me freedom in my finance as I invest in you and let your investment begin to grow in me. I'm going to free, I'm going to be free in not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more. Are you getting the picture? What was God doing? Wrapping his arms of a cocoon around us, not to isolate us, not to make us feel less worthy, not to make us forget everything and put it. He is transforming us. He is putting us into isolation chambers. You may be by yourself right now, but not so that you are uh, abandoned, not so that you are all on your own to make it on your own uh, accord and your own mentality. You may feel like you're all alone right now because whether you realize it or not, God has stepped into the cocoon of your life and while you're all alone and you may not even understand what's going on he is changing you from a little caterpillar with small legs that can't do anything that can't hardly get anywhere to a butterfly that can flit around and do all kinds of things loop-de-loops which brings me to a newborn baby this has always amazed me birth is mind-blowing. How God will allow a young child to be born and to grow or to be conceived and grow in a womb that for nine months, give or take a few weeks, depends on if the kid's stubborn or not. 
is all by themselves. Can I tell you, I don't believe what the doctors necessarily say. They say, well, they can hear you. How do they know? I know of fathers that will sit down next to their wife's belly and start talking into the navel thinking it's a loudspeaker into the child. I know there's scientific advancements and and believe me, I believe that a child is a child at conception and, and, and all of those kinds of things. But listen, I don't remember what it was like in my mother's womb. So I don't know if I heard my dad or not. And my dad's voice was loud enough that I would have heard if I... I was all alone. You were all alone. You couldn't rely on anything on your own. Your air was coming from your mother. Your nutrients was coming from your mother. You were all by yourself with the exception of God even if you were twins all you were doing was slapping each other but when you start the birthing process and the first air that that baby breathes and you hear that first cry of the child, there is something so powerful and dynamic. There is something so precious. There is something that's so exciting. I stopped listening to my wife at that point because I was enthralled with the child. Then I quickly went back. Oh yeah, he's, he's good looking. He's... Don't disagree now. What am I trying to say? I know this is a crude example, but any of you ladies that have ever had children, you did not look the same when you were pregnant. It's the nine months that a woman is excited about an increase in weight. Because you don't care. You're having a baby. Tendons are pulled, bones are out of joint, nothing feels comfortable, nothing feels, you can't sit comfortable, you can't lay comfortable, you can't, well, you can kind of roll, you can't, you can't find that comfortable position because your body has been so deformed by this child that's growing inside of you and you don't really care. Because a baby's on its way. That child that God has blessed you with is on its way. And so the back aches and the leg aches and and the uncomfortableness. And and I know that there are ladies that are just like, let this thing be done and let this, but you wouldn't trade it for anything when you hear the cry of that child because what's happened is God has birthed in you something that you could not do on your own and created something in you that you could not create on your own. Can I just tell you that some of us are pregnant right now with something that God is trying to birth in us and we are fighting against gaining the weight and we're fighting against the lack of comfort and we're fighting against 
the bones and the joints and the tendons all being stretched and moved and maneuvered, not looking like we used to look, not acting like we used to act, not having the same cravings like we used to have. All of a sudden, for this period of time, everything is upside down, and those that are around you are trying to figure out what you want this day. Do you want pickles and peanut butter, or do you want peppers and Cheetos? I don't know. What, what is it that you're craving at this point? And, and those that are around you are looking at you cross-eyed, wondering what's going on. Listen, don't be discouraged. God is just birthing something in you. He's bringing something to fruition in your life that will allow it when it's presented. Will totally transform everything about you. Will totally change the course of the next 50 years of your life. That will totally change and transform. Listen, it's one little baby. A large baby is 13 pounds. That's a large thing. Can you imagine if God bypassed the process and just had you women give birth to adults? I know it's crude and I apologize, but you get the picture. We want God to birth an adult mature thing in us and we don't want to go through the process. But if we don't go through the process, it's going to be a whole lot more uncomfortable than if we let him take us through the process. The process of the ark was not very comfortable. He spent years and years cutting down trees and putting a, an ark together. And we dealt with that Wednesday night and putting all, it wasn't a great experience for, for Noah. He wasn't in an apprentice school trying to become a carpenter. He was just being a boat builder that he didn't have any idea. He didn't have YouTube to look up and he didn't have, was just kind of figuring it out on his own so that he could then wrap his eight family members into this cocoon of an ark with all of these animals and then sit in an ark for at least a couple of months because there was 40 days and 40 nights of rain and, and then it was several weeks until the, the water uh, went away and the ark landed on solid ground. In all of that time, the process was happening and all that time, uh, and Noah could have been saying, God, what are you doing? Well, I can't stand, I'm so tired. I can't see another hammer. I can't pick up another piece of wood. I don't want to see another skunk. I don't want to see another squirrel. I don't want to see another roach. I don't want to see another mosquito. I don't want to see, I don't want anything else to do that. But in all of that time, God was processing him and preparing him to give him a breakthrough into the presentation of restarting the whole human race, of restarting everything that God created in the beginning. Noah became the thing that the Bible now says in the New Testament that it was a picture of the transition or the transformation through our baptism. As God brings us through the waters of baptism, he puts us into a new presentation. caterpillar would be ridiculous if he fought against the cocoon and the child as much as he tries to fight and get out move around if we don't go through the process that baby that is birthed is not designed to come out as an adult and have everything all in order and no right from wrong, and no up from down. Listen, some of you have been beating yourselves up because you're trying to have everything at maximum level with God. It doesn't work that way. 
there is a process so that the presentation is different. And every one of us has to go through process. We just don't necessarily talk about it. We just don't give you all the gory details. Can I tell you a birthing room isn't pretty? The outcome is glorious, but the room is a mess. But when you start going from your mess to your message, things begin to change. Well, pastor, you just don't know what I've been through. Maybe I don't, but you don't know what I've been through. I can take you for the months at a time when I was in Bible school. How dare you, God? I was trying to be a minister of your gospel. I was trying to become a good Christian. I was trying to figure out how to lead people. That should go somewhere, God. And yet there were months where I didn't feel him. I felt as far away from him as anything. I was a class officer. I was a staff member, and I wasn't connected to any of them. I had friends all over the place and people that were friends that I didn't want to be friends with. But I was all alone. To the point after a couple of months in. Now, mind you, this wasn't going to church once a week. I was going to church twice on Sunday, Bible college on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, midweek service. I should have been able to feel God, but I didn't feel him for months. And I sat there and I felt hypocritical because I was worshiping, because I was clapping my hands. I was getting, I was teaching. I was preaching, not feeling a thing. Finally, guilt overcame me. And so I went and I said, Sister Trout, we got to talk. Sister Trout was the pastor's wife and the president of the college and really my direct boss. And so I said, we've got to talk because I'm not feeling anything right now. I feel so far away from God. I feel like a hypocrite every time I stand in front. I was teaching the religions class for the second graders to the fifth graders. And I'm standing up there teaching all about God and not feeling God, not knowing whether God really existed. And in her tender way, she said, welcome to the club. Those were her words. She says, until you get to that place, God can't transform you into what he wants you to be. That season, I was the caterpillar in the cocoon, just processing. Didn't feel it, just processed. I was the baby in the womb. Didn't really feel anything, unless mom has a pepperoni pizza or something. Didn't, I'm just, I'm just there. I'm just floating. But I'm changing I was just in church, but I was changing. Until that moment in time, about three and a half months after it started, 
in a chapel service. And, and God began to move in a chapel service at the college. So there was probably 40 of us there, 50 of us there. As we had church and the power of God came, I can remember crawling over to the, the, the men went this way, the ladies went this way. So I was over here in the far corner, back behind the drum set where nobody could really find me. And I felt the overwhelming power of God. And as I walked out of that place, the next class that I had was a whole lot more powerful than even before I didn't feel him. Why? He transitioned us. Don't dismay when you're isolated. Just get ready to be presented. I know that this message is hitting home with some people because I know you're in a season of isolation. There is drastic change that's happening in your world and you haven't figured out how to handle it. You haven't figured out how to make two plus two equal four. You haven't figured, God has called you this direction and that direction. He's turned you inside out and everything seems to be an upheaval. Family doesn't seem to be looking at you the same way. Friends have deserted you and, and, and talked negative against you and, and you feel like you're all alone, that there is absolutely nobody to turn to, nobody to call on. Listen, don't fret. Don't be dismayed. Don't think that you're out there on your own. God just has you in an isolation chamber getting ready to let something be birthed in you or to you to be birthed into something. And when that begins to happen and that presentation begins to happen, all of a sudden when God in his timing all of a sudden allows the process to say, okay, the transformation is ready. Here is my chosen vessel. Just get ready. I invite you to stand. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9 had an experience with God that drove him to his knees and started a process of isolation. Read the story of Saul, turn to Paul. Read his story. He went back into Damascus for three days blind until Ananias was sent to him. And the Lord didn't tell him, I'll be there. I'll meet you there in Damascus, Saul. I'll, we'll have dinner together. We'll talk together. You'll feel my presence. Here's what he said. Do whatever Ananias tells you to do. Um, hold on, God. They know what I have done to the church. They know why I was on the way to Damascus in the first place. And now you're telling me to do whatever he tells me to do? Yeah. Isolate. It's going to be you. You see, from Acts 9, it didn't happen overnight that he became the great apostle. He spent months and years in training from the time of his conversion to the time of his presentation. And in that whole time, that if you read the scriptures, there were very few people that accepted him for who he was. 
He was isolated. He was alone. He had one or two people that he could confide in. But the church wasn't getting ready to uh, open him. The apostles themselves weren't going to open their arms. They were wary because he was the one that was causing all the problems. He was the one that was causing all the persecution. But Paul said it this way, I'm still going to press. Whether people believe me, whether people trust me, whether people are with me, I am all alone. That's fine because when I am all alone, my isolation will lead to a presentation. And the presentation of Paul is being opened at Spirit of Grace Church in 2020 as we read his word and he challenges us to do the same thing that he did. That's to press. If you're here today, this thing called church, this man called Jesus, may not be easy to understand. You may think church is goofy. You may dread church. You may dread this thing called Christianity. You know, that's entirely up to you. We can't force anybody to buy into who Jesus is. But in that moment, I want you to remember these words because there is coming a day when you will feel all by yourself. Daddy's not there. Mom's not there. Grandma and grandpa's not. It's just you and your thought process. And in that moment, I pray that the words of this preacher echo in your heart and in your mind you are never alone God is always there you just might be in your cocoon give him a chance here's what I want us to do just for a couple of minutes if you're here today and you have felt isolated you have felt like you're just trying to make it through or, or you have come into this place and your expectation that you were going to be, you're going to be at maximum level with God and you're still way down here trying to figure it out and it's troubling you because you haven't recognized the process. Or you're here and you just haven't felt God in a long time and we have our great atmosphere and worship that we have and yet you're sitting there wondering what's wrong with you because you don't feel anything. Listen, you're welcome to the club. God is creating something in you. And God is creating you for something. You're just in your process right now. Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. I want to invite you around this altar. Not because the altar is magical, but the altar is symbolic. And I want you to come and I just want you to stand around this altar if you're in that situation where you feel like you're all alone. You just feel like you're fighting through things. You're not sure which way to turn, which way to go. Listen, you are in your cocoon stage. Make your way to this altar and symbolically just turn yourself into the hands of God and say, God, in this process, I may not understand it. I may not see it. I may not be able to figure it out. But in this process, God, I'm just going to lean not on my own understanding, but I'm just going to trust you. Behind the scenes, you're doing a work. 
anybody else. Don't leave here on your own without recognizing what God is doing in you. Now, if you're here today and you have come through a process and God has brought you to the other side and you are living in the goodness and grace of God, I'm asking you to come and gather yourself around these folks. Just begin to pray with them. Begin to support them. They're where you were at. They're dealing with what you were dealing with. You may not understand the the complexities of the situation, but you understand that they are all alone and that they are in this process of transformation and what God is trying to do in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. By your word, O God, by your authority, O God. Lord, I'm asking you to minister to these folks that have come forward. I'm asking you right now to speak to their hearts. Lord, let them know that they are not alone, that you are with them. Lord, if family has turned their back on them, I'm asking you to let them recognize this church family. If friends have turned their backs on them, I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to let them recognize this church friendship. Lord God, we are in this together. We are moving together and you are transforming us individually and as a corporate body. And you have isolated this church for a great presentation to come. And God, as you begin to break forth in us over the next several weeks, I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to help us to remember the month of February and the freedom that you brought and help us to remember this day and the process that you spoke into us. In the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, church, reach out to him. Reach out to him. Pray like it was you in this situation. Pray like it was you in your cocoon. Jesus, do your work. Jesus, do your work. Jesus, do your work. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, from the top of their heads to the sole of their feet, God, let them feel the moving of your spirit. Let them feel the process at work. Let them feel, Lord God, the cocoon and the birthing process. Let them feel it, oh Lord, I pray. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let it be born in me, oh God. Let it be born in me, oh God. Lord, right now, touch Eva and Sarah. Let it be born in them, even at this young age. Let them move. Let them be transformed. Let them be converted into what you have them for, planned for them. Lord, the ministry that you've called them to. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lord, I love you, I adore you, I exalt you. Do your work even now, oh God. Do your work even now. In your name, oh Lord, help us to see things from a different perspective. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.